If you have your Bibles, if you would take those this morning and look with me to the Gospel of John chapter 14. Yeah, you may want to take your sermon notes there. We're going to be looking at several different passages of Scripture this morning, so you'll want to keep your Bibles out and, uh, and keep them handy as we talk about Jesus Christ, the healer. A few weeks back, we had uh, a mission team in Nicaragua that I had the privilege of being a part of. And uh, to be honest, we went with a really simple assignment uh, to be Jesus to the folks in Nicaragua. That was our plan. That's what we prepared for. That's what we prayed about, that we would just be the heart and hands of Christ extended to the wonderful folks there in Nicaragua. Um, we're going to accomplish this through several different means. We had evangelism team. We had medical team. We had construction team. Um, but as we were there in Nicaragua representing Jesus, there were some dynamic things that happened. Um, to just share a couple stories with you to kind of hopefully lift your faith and get you ready for what we want to look at this morning. Um, the medical clinic, as someone would come to the medical clinic, not only would they receive medical attention, but they didn't get out of the medical clinic without being prayed for. So everyone who came to get medical attention, and the lines were long every day because the needs in, in Nicaragua are desperate. People are desperate. So when you open up a medical clinic, I mean, immediately you had a line running out through the street. But everyone who came not only received the medical attention, as I said, they were prayed for. And just a couple stories. There was one man who came one day to the medical clinic and had been bitten by a poisonous snake. And as a result of the snake bite, the muscles in his leg had uh, deteriorated to the point that when he came in, he was literally dragging his leg. So you kind of get the picture. Here's the man. He's coming in and he's dragging his leg because his, the muscles are not there. The leg's not working. And so the medical team gave, um, obviously they gave him medical attention as best they could with what they had. And then they uh, laid hands on this man and prayed for him in the name of Jesus. And the man who came in dragging his leg walked out of the medical clinic without a limp. In other words, the muscles that had been deteriorated got completely restored. Isn't that amazing? How did that happen? Well, it was a God thing. It was a God thing. We were simply doing what the scripture has commissioned us to do. By faith in the name of Jesus, we were laying hands on the sick and the scripture says that they will recover. It's another situation, a young girl who came to the clinic who had been uh, deaf since birth. She'd never heard in her life. She came to the med medical clinic, received medical attention. The prayer teams laid hands on this young girl and prayed for her in the first time, first time ever in her life she heard. How did that happen? Again, it's the miracle power of God. Our God is a God who heals. He's still in the miracle working business today. His plans has not changed. Well, over the past few weeks, we've been talking about who we are and what we believe. What we're committed to as a church family. We've specifically been looking at the ministry of Jesus and how the ministry of Jesus was carried out in the gospels and how it should affect who we are and how we live our lives, how we approach ministry and, and church today. One of the key verses that we focused on each week comes from the book of Hebrews chapter 13 verse 8 that simply says this, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. In other words, what Jesus did, he's still doing today. Would you turn to your neighbor and just tell him that? What, what Jesus did, he's still doing today. Who he was in biblical days, he's still the same today. Jesus has not changed. He's simply carrying out his work in and through you and I today by the power of the Holy Spirit. 
That's why Jesus told the disciples, you need to go to Jerusalem. You need to wait there until you've received the gift that the Father wants to give you, the, dyna- the dynamic of the power of the Holy Spirit. Because Jesus wants to do the very miracles that through us today that he did while he was here himself. Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. So far in this series, we've talked about Jesus Christ, their Savior. There's only one way to be saved. Jesus came for this purpose, to rescue you, to rescue mankind. Romans 10, verse 9 says, if we, if we confess with our mouth, if we believe in our heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, we shall be saved. So Jesus came first and foremost. Folks, this is the big deal, that people would come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior and experience a vibrant living relationship with him. So Jesus Christ, our Savior. Secondly, last weekend, we talked about Jesus Christ, the baptizer and the Holy Spirit. Jesus assured his disciples that he would not leave them comfortless, but he would do this. He would send the comforter. He would send the Holy Spirit, the one who would not only be with them, but would be in them. Prior to his ascension, Jesus directed the disciples, hey guys, go to Jerusalem, wait there, wait there until you receive this gift, the promised Holy Spirit. What Jesus promised and predicted in John 14, John 16, Acts 1, 8, we find happening in Acts chapter two on the day of Pentecost. There was a dynamic, there was a power released that not only radically changed the lives of the disciples, but it turned the city of Jerusalem upside down. What was it? It was the promised gift. It was the Holy Spirit. Last week we talked about two roles of the Holy Spirit. First is this, the Holy Spirit indwells us, comes to reside in us, takes up residence in our lives when we open our heart to him, when we receive Christ as our Savior. There's the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. The second role of the Holy Spirit we talked about last week was the empowering of the Holy Spirit. And that is we open our lives to the fullness of the Spirit, there's an empowering, there's a dynamic. We've seen two separate events in the lives of the disciples. John 21, we, we, or John 20, we saw the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Then in Acts 1, we saw the, or Acts 2, we saw the empowering of the Holy Spirit for their lives. Well, this morning we want to talk about this third aspect of who we are and what we, what we believe as we look to Jesus Christ, our healer. There in your sermon notes this morning, you cannot believe the Bible and deny that Jesus ministered as healer during his lifetime here on earth. Everywhere you look through the Gospels, this is what you'll find. You'll find Jesus healing the sick and Jesus restoring life. Matthew chapter 5 verse 24 is just one of the many verses that speaks of this. But listen as I read. It says, the people brought to Jesus all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering with severe pain, the demon possessed, those having seizures, the paralyzed, and the scripture says that he healed them. So wherever he went, every town he went to, the people would bring the sick, and the scripture says that he healed them. And I would want you to know that Jesus didn't just come to heal the sick and to minister healing in a period period of time for three years to leave and never to heal again. That was not his plan. The scripture clearly defines that he's commissioned us. And he's empowered us today that we would be able to pray for the sick, that we would be able to lay hands on the sick and see them recover. We see this throughout scripture. First, we see that Jesus assured the disciples that they would do even greater things than he had done. Greater things. Look with me if you would, John 14. I think that's the first passage of scripture I said we would look at. John chapter 14, verse 12. Listen to what Jesus said to his disciples. Now, this is just before the cross. Jesus said, I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I've been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. 
and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. Wow. Look back to verse 12. First two phrases in verse 12. Jesus says, I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith. Now, who do you think that includes? Okay. Look to verse 12. I'm not going to let you get away with that. This is really significant that you catch this this morning. Look what, look what Jesus says. I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith. Who do you think he's talking to? He's talking to us. This is all about the disciples. This is all about anyone who would choose to follow Christ. He says, anyone who has faith, that includes you. Anyone who has faith, the scripture says that, that we would do what Jesus had done and even greater things. And let me ask you, what did Jesus do? He healed the sick, he healed the paralytic, he restored sight to the blind, he raised the dead. I mean, those are some of the things that we find that Jesus did while he was here. And this is what he says, he says, if you have faith in me, you'll do what I did and even greater things. He assured the disciples, he assured those who would follow after him. Secondly, Jesus gave the disciples authority and he gave them ability to heal the sick. In Matthew chapter 10, verse one, listen as I read. Scripture says Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and he gave them the authority to drive out evil spirits. And he gave them the authority to heal every disease and sickness. And then in verse 8, Jesus directs them to heal the sick, to raise the dead, to cleanse those who have leprosy, to drive out demons. He says, freely you have received, freely give. So not only did Jesus heal, but he gave the disciples the authority and the ability to heal as well. He's given the same to us, the authority and the ability to lay hands on the sick. We understand today that we can't heal. This pastor doesn't heal, but I tell you, I know one who does. I know one who has promised, he's given me authority and ability that as I would pray in faith in his name, that he would do the miraculous, that he would restore life. Thirdly, Jesus has commissioned us. Not only has he given us the authority and the ability, but you gotta understand you've been commissioned. When you received Christ as your savior, when you signed on to the team, when you became a part of the body of Christ, you embraced this commission, not only to go and tell people about Jesus, but you embraced this commission that you would lay hands on the sick. And the scripture says this, that they would recover. Look with me in the gospel of Mark. The gospel of Mark chapter 16. The gospel of Mark chapter 16. Jesus has been crucified He's about to be ascended to the Father. He's about to go to the Father to be seated at the right hand of the Father and make intercession for you and I. Yet this is what he would say to the disciples. This is the marching orders he would give them before he would leave. Verse 15. It says, go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe in my name. They will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They'll pick up snakes with their hands, and when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on sick people. Notice what it says. They will get well. Listen, folks, not only has God given us the authority, not only has he given us the ability, he's commissioned us. He said, go and preach my name. Go and proclaim the truth of the gospel. See people born again. And as you do that, he says, you can expect this. These signs will follow those who are proclaiming and preaching the name of Jesus. Miracles will happen. The sick 
will be healed. Fourthly there, I would want you to know today that Jesus has not changed. He's still in the miracle working business. Again, according to Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus is the same. He hasn't changed. The only difference today is that Jesus wants to do miracles through you. He wants you to be the conduit that he flows his healing power through. Again, I cannot heal, you cannot heal. But as you pray for the sick with faith in Jesus' name, the scripture says that the Lord, the Lord will heal them. The Lord will raise them up. Well, this morning we have a living example of uh, an individual who God miraculously touched. Matter of fact, every time I look at Russ, I say, God, there's a walking miracle. There's a walking testimony of your ability to heal and restore life. They're going to come in just a moment and tell their story, but Russ was in a situation where the doctor said this, there's no hope. There is no hope for recovery. Yet today, you're going to get to hear the story of how through the prayers of the saints and through God working miraculously, he's here today to give glory and honor to his name. I'm going to ask Russ and Patsy Noble if they would come and join me here on the platform. On October 18th of this past year, I received a call from Carolina's Medical Center that said, your husband's been in a serious accident. We can't tell you anymore. You need to come to the hospital immediately. Um, as I did, um, we went down there, and throughout the course of the day, after several hours of testing and x-rays, we met with the doctors to, for the report. Um, his injuries at that time were he had a lacerated spleen, two pelvic fractures, his left shoulder was broken in two places. He had a cracked sternum, multiple rib fractures, and both of his lungs had been punctured. Um, through the course of the next few days, um, Russ became increasingly things got a lot worse. Um, chest tubes were put into place. They uh, had to put him on a breathing machine, a ventilator. Um, within a matter of a couple of days, the, the machine that they had put him on was not able to sustain him any longer. And we know that God had sent us to the right place, the right hospital, because Carolina's Medical had just um, received what was called an oscillator. It was just newly approved by the FDA this past year. And basically, um, they switched him over to this new breathing machine, which is really what kept him alive at that time because the other machine was not able to do it. This machine breathes 250 times a minute for you and basically the normal person breathes maybe 16 to 20 times a minute. Um, as time went on, um, because his lungs were not only punctured, they were so badly bruised and swollen that he was not able to rid the fluid from his body. And my husband became probably about three times the size he is right now. All the fluid that they give, gave him just, um, just went everywhere, basically, in his body. Um, his kidneys shut down. They had to put him on dialysis. He was on that probably for about six to eight weeks. Um, they had to take him to surgery as a last effort just to kind of cut his stomach open, to try to give his lungs more room to breathe. Um, that didn't work. Um, things were looking just uh, pretty grim at that time. Um, I'd like to share with you, if you don't mind, uh, this morning, uh, my, the experience that I've had this uh, um, past year. 
and how the scripture Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever became so real and so alive to me. As my wife had mentioned, on October 18th, a Friday morning, I was on my way to work, and uh, that I thinking about the weekend was up, and uh, I was looking forward to tell you how uh, fragile life is. I was looking forward to planting some raspberries that weekend and for my raspberry monster wife here. And then I was an avid football fan, college, pro football. I had my weekend plan, but life is very fragile. Little did I know, less than a mile up the road, I'd be in a horrible car accident and the raspberries would not get planted and my football season was over with for the rest of the year. My wife and my five children that live across the nation rushed to my bedside and they were told not to hold out much hope. After two and a half months when I, I was in an induced coma and when I come out of, out of it there was great concern whether I'd have brain damage or not. However, I came out my old strange self, nothing <laughs> changed there. The medical staff told my wife if I survived, I'd be in a wheelchair and have an oxygen tank on me the rest of my life. Boy, as you see, as I walked up here, I needed no wheelchair, and you do not see an oxygen tank hid behind the field back there. Amen. Okay? <laughs> Praise God. During this period of time, the five months that I was hospitalized, I was in three different hospitals and was told by several of the doctors and nurses as I entered the different hospitals that after they read my medical records that they couldn't believe that I was still here. They said, you are truly a miracle. And my family physician, after coming out of the hospital, pulled me aside when I went to his office and he says, Russ, I want to tell you something. He says, as all the years I've practiced in medicine, he says, I've never seen anybody make it through what you went through. In fact, that's so bad that my mother-in-law told me when I come home that she was so sure I wasn't going to make it that she'd already went out and bought her funeral dress. <laughs> I'm sorry I disappointed her. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've got a good mother-in-law. She was just kidding, I think. <laughs> uh, so, so why am I here? Man said that I wasn't going to make it. But Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He healed me through the prayers of the saints. And I have just such a great appreciation for the people at the church here that were interceding for me. I'm aware of several of them. I don't want to mention any names because I'm afraid I may miss someone. But I know the prayer group was very active. Uh, and praying for me and the value of having being a Christian and having Christian friends and Christian family and Christian co-workers that multiplies there was literally hundreds of churches praying for me because of the multiplication effect and it was it was definitely just the prayers of the Saints that uh, uh, healed me because see I'd like to stand here before you and say that I was a spiritual giant that I stood on this healing scripture or that healing scripture but I cannot tell you that because my faith during that period of time was non-existence. My faith was, I had no faith, to be honest with you. However, Scripture tells us when we're faithless, 
he is faithful, and he was still faithful to me. Uh, some believers, of course, you hear the day that they think that healing passed away with the disciples. I'm here as a testimony to tell you that's not true. Jesus Christ is still healing today. And I don't always know when the Holy Spirit is speaking with me or dealing with me if, if it's the Holy Spirit or my imagination. Sometimes I'm right, sometimes I'm wrong. But there's two things that I know, that I know, that I know. One of them is that I know when I got saved back in 1984 on a New Year's Eve that I was delivered out of a, a excessive drinking party life. And uh, also I know that I know that Jesus Christ healed me. Those two things, I, uh, there's no question in my mind. What I learned through this experience is my wife is the closest thing to an angel on this earth, is that she was at my bedside at all times as she could possibly be. She spent many evenings in the waiting room at the hospital sleeping. My children loved me much more than I thought they did. And Jesus Christ's grace and mercy, uh, healing power, it's, it's just a miracle. A lot of good came out of the accident. I have a closer relationship with my uh, children now. One of my daughters dedicated her little newborn baby here at Grace Covenant here just a couple weeks ago, and the significant part of that was she drove all the way, her and her family drove all the way down to Wisconsin to have her dedicated at this church because of what I'm gonna share with you in a moment of the relationship that was built with the pastors here at the church. So all things do work together for those who love the Lord and who are called according to his purposes. Uh, before the accident, we had visited Grace Covenant two or three times. We were looking for a church home. What had happened is the little church we were attending, the Four Square Church, was a newer work down in the University Village area. And the Lord opened the door for our pastor down there to take a church up in the Northeast, a much larger church. So he did, and as a result, our little church closed down. So we were looking for a church home. And as we visited Grace Covenant before the accident, like I said, we'd visited a couple, three times and we're leaning real strong about partnering with, Great, partnering with Grace Fellowship. However, we were for sure, we're still visiting. But after what I experienced here at Grace Fellowship, I know that the Lord wanted us here at Grace Fellowship. Because let me share with you what happened. How I was in the hospital, uh, we had a couple friends that are, had be, uh, that come from the other church also that would join or partner with the church, Mary Fran and Ken Coltus, and they'd shared with uh, the pastors here the accident, because nobody knew me here to uh, speak of. And those, the pastors, Pastor Farrell, Pastor John, Pastor Paul, Pastor Joanne, and forgive me if I'm missing any pastor, but those ones I'm aware of, were down there supporting my wife and my children, and they weren't just down there once or so they was just down there several several different times and they didn't say we'll pray for you they let their love do their walking for them they're talking for them and so it, we were just overwhelmed with the tremendous uh, love of the pastors and the church here and the prayers and so forth and so on and just in closing a couple of little side notes how down in the uh, hospital pastor paul came down one day and uh, this is after I'd uh, come out of the coma and one thing or another. And he says, Russ, is there anything I can do for you? I says, yeah, Pastor Paul, just, just please pray for me. Pastor Paul says, Russ, he says, I can do that. And he says, you know what? I'll even get paid for it. <laughs> 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 and so uh, 
with that, I just want to close and say thank you, thank you, thank you very much, Grace Covenant, for praying for me because it was the prayers of the saints of you folks that I'm standing before you here today. Um, I just wanted to add to that. During this time, you know, I always pick at Russ. I said, you know, well, honey, you slept like the first three months through this thing, you know. Um, I'd like to say I was like a real strong woman of faith, and I could just pray, and God worked everything out, but that was not true either. You know, all the what-ifs that come in with all of us in difficult situations hit me too. You know, there's many things that I thought about. Um, you know, what if he doesn't wake up? What if he's on the ventilator? What if he's on dialysis? What if he can never walk? I mean, you know the things that the devil brings to your mind, but you know, you have to make a conscious effort to choose at some point in time to choose to believe Christ and what the word says, because it's just too easy to fall into that big black pit. And I'm so thankful for all the people that God put in my life. I feel like I was just surrounded and circled by a, a bubble that that people carried me through that time, and I am so grateful to God. And I need to say that the Lord did heal my husband, and to him be all the glory and the honor for that. But I'm so thankful that my husband is the man that he is. He worked very hard in rehab, learning to walk all over. I mean, he had to learn to move every limb again. And it's like starting with a baby from square one, and it was not easy for him. But I'm so thankful that he loved us so much that he put forth the effort of what was needed to, um, to do his part in this. So that you can never thank or repay God for what he's done. The only thing I can do is stand in awe and thank him for just the, the holy, incredible, miraculous God that he is.
The doctors said there was no hope. It was there that God brought hope. When the doctors said there was no potential of life, it was there that God intervened. And what you, what you saw here today with Russ, uh, a living miracle. The only way he could be here today is by that of God's power revealed in his life. Oh, let's talk about Jesus, our healer. Why do we confidently pray? For Christ to heal. The first is this. Because of the promise of God's word. Our belief system today must simply be founded 
on what God's Word says. Not what someone else has said. I tell you, there's a lot of folks out there who are saying weird things. And they're saying things that are of their own thinking and of their own theology. They're not founded in God's Word. What I want us to be as a congregation, I want us to be a group of folks who simply take God's Word and live it out. Uh, what does God's Word say? God's Word clearly promises that He's our healer. Look with me if you would to the, the book of James, chapter 5. The book of James, chapter 5, verse 14. James says, is any one of you sick? What should he do? He should call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with all in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well and the Lord will raise him up. Scripture says, are you sick? Then what should you do? Well, you should call the elders, anoint with all, pray the prayer of faith. At the close of every weekend service, we have elders, we have leaders here who are simply here to carry out this passage of Scripture. This is God's invitation to us. He says, are you sick? Then come and ask. And, and let me reveal that of my power in you and through you. In Matthew chapter 7, Jesus would say that we need to ask, that we need to seek, and that we need to knock. It's interesting that the Greek structure there is ask and keep on asking. Seek and keep on seeking. That we would knock and keep on knocking. In other words, we should ask, seek, and knock with confidence and with persistence. So first, we confidently believe that Jesus heals today because it's the promise of his word. It's what's clearly defined in the book. Secondly, we confidently believe that Jesus is healer today because of the finished work of the cross. Not only did Jesus give his life to save us, but he also gave his life. He shed his blood to heal us. The atonement the shedding of Jesus' blood at Calvary confidently establishes that Jesus heals today. He provided a double cure for a double curse. Sin and sickness intruded together in human affairs. The fall in the Garden of Eden. And both were remedied by the cross. By Jesus' blood that was shed at Calvary. We find this clearly established in Scripture. Isaiah 53, 700 years before the Messiah would come, Isaiah prophesied, that by his stripes we would be healed. We find, we find the same. We find the same promise in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24. Peter says, He himself, being Jesus, bore our sins in his body on a tree so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. So Jesus came... Jesus became our substitute by taking on himself the penalty for sins. He came to bear the curse and to restore what Adam had given away. He came not only to bring healing for our souls through salvation, but listen, folks, he shed his blood for the healing of your body, for the restoring of health to your body. By his stripes, the scripture says, you have been healed. Thirdly, we confidently pray for the sick because it's the very nature of God to heal. The very nature of God. Throughout the Old Testament, we find God revealing himself to Abraham and Abraham's ancestors, those who would follow after him, by, by his names. Every time God would come and, and encounter Abraham or the children of Israel, he would reveal who he was, his character, and his nature through his name. For example, Genesis 22. That's, that's the passage of Scripture where Abraham was challenged to take his son Isaac up to Mount Moriah and sacrifice him there. And in the midst of Abraham's obedience, God provided a ram. 
And it's there that God revealed himself to Abraham as Jehovah Jireh, or the Lord who provides. When we find a, we find a similar uh, revelation of God's nature in Exodus 15, verse 25 and 26. The scripture says that as the children of Israel were traveling from Egypt to the promised land, that God said this. He says, if you'll obey me, if you'll follow my commandments, then I'll not put on you any of the diseases that came upon the Egyptians. And he goes on to proclaim, I am the Lord God who heals you. It was here that God revealed this of his nature, Jehovah Rapha. Jehovah Rapha, the Lord God who heals. So why do we confidently pray for the sick to be healed? First, it's the promise of God's word. You cannot get away from that. Secondly, because of the finished work of the cross, because of Jesus' blood that was shed. Thirdly, because it's the very nature of God. It's the very character of God to bring healing and restoration. I want to conclude this morning by looking at one illustration in the New Testament. If you would look with me to the Gospel of Mark. The Gospel of Mark chapter 10. There's a great narrative here of a man by the name of Bartimaeus. The scripture would tell us that Bartimaeus was blind. And he was begging along the side of the road when Jesus came along this very road that he was sitting on, or sitting beside. And it was this day that would forever change his life. Verse 46 of Mark chapter 10. It says, Then they came to Jericho. As Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city of blind man, Bartimaeus was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called to the blind man, cheer up, on your feet, he's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and he came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus, your faith, your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. Let me give you four things that I find Barnabas doing here. And this is not some formula of faith. However, it's, act, it's actions that I see from Bartimaeus' life that open him to the miraculous. Four things. The first is this. Bartimaeus got the right person involved. Jesus Christ. The scripture says that when Bartimaeus heard that it was Jesus who was passing by, he began to shout. In other words, he was doing this. He was doing all he could to captivate Jesus' attention. He knew that Jesus could bring a solution to the problem of blindness in his life. And I would encourage you, when you're in the midst of a crisis, when you have a physical need, let me tell you, the first thing you need to do is this. You need to get Jesus involved in your situation. Listen, folks, he can bring solution to the problem. Bartimaeus, Bartimaeus was captivating. He got the right person involved. Secondly, Bartimaeus was tenacious. He was tenacious in his pursuit of Jesus. When he began to cry out, the scripture says that the crowd silenced him. They said, oh, Bartimaeus, this is Jesus. He doesn't have time for you. You're just a beggar. I mean, look at you. You got food all over your clothes. You smell. He doesn't have time. You be quiet. But the scripture says that Bartimaeus screamed even louder. Bartimaeus was tenacious, tenacious in his pursuit. In other words, he was not going to be denied this opportunity. 
Listen, folks, we should have the same response. I'm often asked, when I came back from Nicaragua, I was asked this question numerous times. Pastor, why is it that great miracles happen in Nicaragua, but they don't happen here? Let me tell you, really simple. The folks in Nicaragua are desperate. They're desperate. They have no other solution. They don't have any place else to go. I'm convinced one of our challenges is this. We're not tenaciously pursuing Jesus. Bartimaeus was not going to be denied. Literally, Bartimaeus was bold and confident in his, in his request. When Jesus asked him what he wanted, he boldly defined the need. He said, I want to see. I want my sight restored. Listen, folks, when we have a need, we should come with the same confidence. Hebrews chapter 4. The scripture says this, since we have such of a great high priest, Jesus Christ, who has ascended into the heavenlies, that we should come boldly to his throne of grace, that we might find help in our time of need. And Bartimaeus came boldly. He came with confidence, asking in one who was able. And lastly, Bartimaeus had faith, faith that Jesus would restore his sight. The scripture clearly says here that Jesus responded not just to Bartimaeus' need, but he responded to Bartimaeus' faith. Scripture clearly says that it was faith that healed him. See, when we have a need, we should come in faith. But listen, folks, faith is the key to the miraculous. James 1, 6 says that we shouldn't come doubting as we ask, for the man who doubts is not going to receive anything. Listen, throughout the Scripture, this is what you'll find. Throughout the Scripture, you'll find Jesus responding to faith. I mean, think with me just for a minute. Remember the paralytic who had four friends who took him to Jesus. And they got to the house where Jesus was at, and they couldn't get in the door because there was such a crowd. So remember, they went up on the roof, and they tore a hole on the roof, and they, and they let their friend down. You've got to catch what Jesus said. You can check it out later. Jesus said, because of the faith of the four friends, I'm going to heal the paralytic. He was restored. The woman who had the issue of blood, sick for 12 years, remember, went to the doctor, spent all she had, no solution. Jesus came to her town. She thought, if I can just touch the hem of his garment. And as she touched his garment, the scripture said she was made whole. And Jesus asked, who touched me? And you know what he said to the woman? He says, your faith, your faith has healed you. Listen, folks, Bartimaeus had faith. He believed that God was able to restore sight. And it was there that he received his miracle. Listen, folks, Jesus is still in the healing business today. He's still doing miracles. We simply need to follow here Bartimaeus' example. We need to get Jesus involved in the situation. We need to be tenacious in our pursuit. We need to be bold and confident in our request. We need to ask in faith to believe. Listen, folks, it's the promise of God's Word, the finished work of the cross, the very nature of God to bring healing for your life. We simply need to come to this place that we're willing to believe. Would you pray with me, Lord? I thank you this morning for the truth and the challenge of your word. God, I thank you that your word reveals for us, Lord, how we should respond. How we should respond in difficult crisis situation of our, say, situations in our lives, God. It gives us direction. So, Lord, we come this morning simply, uh, Lord, aligning ourselves with the truth of your word. Lord, we come. Lord, asking and believing. God, I thank you that you haven't changed. That you, Lord, what you did yesterday, you're still doing today. Oh, Lord. And you want to do it in and through us. So, Lord, we avail ourselves to that. Lord, not only are we going to go and proclaim the name of Jesus, but, Lord, we're going to live in expectancy, Lord, that signs are going to follow. Or why? Because it's the truth of your word. 
Lord, this is what you said would happen as we proclaim Jesus, that the miracles would follow as we would in faith believe, praying in your name. So, Lord, we commit ourselves to that. Lord, we understand that it's part of our commission. Lord, it's part of our marching orders. So, Lord, we embrace that for our lives this morning. With every head bowed and eye closed, let me ask you just one question as we conclude today.